Blog Talk Radio. Break a leg. Radio. You know, Labor Day is behind us, and most of us are back into our regular routines. We kind of take, cut ourselves a lot of slack in the summer. But as you go about your day and you're offering feedback to others, are you fully aware of how your feedback is being received? Is it just opinion? Is it advice? Is it asked for, or are you perhaps offering without permission? Sometimes the feedback we give, what we say, And more importantly, how we say it can not only make matters worse, but can have long-term negative effects. So how do you give constructive feedback while maintaining a healthy relationship? That's our topic for discussion, and we will get to it in just a few minutes. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. 
Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest, Dr. Alexandra Miller, is a psychologist who has worked in private practice for 15 years. She is and an expert in family system biology, behavioral psychology, she is an ex-reader in psychology and holds a class of psychology which you can listen to via iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Buzzsprout. She's also an author. She's written the children's book, It's All a Story About Overcoming, which just launched a few months ago. To learn more about Dr. Alexandra, I encourage you to visit her websites, psychologyamerica.com or livewellpsychologycenter.com. Do that after the show because right now we are very fortunate to have her here with us. Welcome to the show, Dr. Alexandra. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Conversation. Hello? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. You were cut off Um, for a moment there. So how are you being? (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrific. I I was saying the last time you and I had a long conversation, you were on my podcast as a guest talking about uh, sound therapy. And it was great, and I loved being there. So thank you for that, and and we invited you over here. So this is a great thing because you have so much to share yourself. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. You know, as I was preparing for the show, I was so surprised by the number of people who kept asking me, well, what do you mean by feedback? What kind of feedback? Are you talking about like just general discussions when people are stating their opinions or genuine feedback as it relates to a specific thing? And, you know, I had to think about that because I thought, okay, those are all valid points. And to me, right. feedback is, is really an exchange of words that we all participate in on a daily basis whenever we're interacting with others, whether that's when we're providing advice or making suggestions or just in general conversation. Yeah. You know, solicited or not doesn't matter. Feedback is is exchanged. So I thought, well, let's start with something easy. (laughs) Let's start with, that's my take on feedback, but how do you define Mm -hmm. feedback? Well, feedback is something we're going to have to use for all of the life stages. So certainly we are going to give children feedback as we're trying to shape their behavior. Um, And think about a young couple. There are different stages of family development and when a couple first gets married or starts to live together, they're in what's called the negotiation stage for a period. And they're learning how to live together, and they're going to have to give each other feedback. And then there's the workplace. Right. When uh, we have to give feedback to a coworker or someone who reports to you if things aren't going well, as an example. But even if things are going well. And if things are going well, too, right. And what you were saying in the introduction is is valid because um, I've done extensive study on on feedback and what is good feedback. And something within statistics, it's known as a meta-analysis. That's when you combine Mm -hmm. all of the studies that have ever been done on a topic, and then you, you statistically combine everything to see what do they all find. Well, I have read a meta-analysis which looked at feedback and found that in one-third of the cases, when we give feedback, the person's performance gets worse. So you're right. Not all feedback is good feedback. And that's based on the person who's actually providing the feedback for the most part rather than the way that the person is receiving it, correct? Yes, yes. And and that's what I'd like to share today is there are certain ways to provide feedback which are more effective. 
For and example, so the way that we get, yeah, yeah, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to ask you. So let's let's have some examples of that so people understand what it is you're talking about. Okay, so so what I've found through all the research that I've done. Well, let, let's just go back, okay? If you think about it historically in psychology, um, a guy named Edward Thorn, Thorndike in 1927, way back, he talked about something called the law of effect. And he said, when annoyingness is attached to frequent connection and satisfyingness to rare connection, the latter gains and the former loses until it creates a response. And that's true, right? However, mm-hmm. sure, makes sense. Overall, overall, they're not equal. So overall, the best way to give feedback is to present an ideal for people, or at least first to give some real thought to what it is that you want, and really think about it and break it down into what is, what is it that you want them to do and how is it that you would want them to behave. And don't include nots. In other words, don't say, don't do this and don't do that. People do better if they're moving towards a castle. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give an example, okay? If you're going to mm-hmm. ask someone to clean their room, and you're not going to say, don't do this and not that, what would you say, T? What would you tell them to do when oh you're only, only putting it in the positive? <laughs> only putting in the posit- uh, positive. I would probably say something like, won't it feel really good if everything is organized and you can access it easily and everything's nice and neat and clean and you feel comfortable? Let's do that. I'm presuming we're talking about dealing with children here. Well, it could be a child, yeah. So if you were to put it all in the positive and all in the ideal, you would say the floor will be 100, 100% clear, the bed will be made, the dirty laundry will be in the basket. You're putting everything in the ideal so that they know what it is that they need to do right. So it takes a little time to think in advance about what it is that you want the other person to do Um before you actually give them the feedback. And that yeah, takes patience. That makes sense. Yes. Well, and you caught so me off guard, it, too. <laughs> oh, by asking you oh, about cleaning a room? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was like, because I, I actually would say, <laughs> I think I would actually <laughs> say that to someone. It would make you feel so good to have everything clean, and then you can come in, and you know, because it's a feeling thing. <laughs> Try to give them that, you yeah. know? <laughs> no, it, um, and I like the way you bring in feeling. And um, in general, if, if people are moving towards what's called a promotion focus, so, th- so they're moving towards either they're going to gain something or not gain it, rather than what's called a prevention focus. So, like a prevention focus would be, I'm afraid of losing something. Either I'll lose it or I won't lose it. Right. Yeah. We, you know, it's been empirically found that promotion towards an ideal is better. People are going to take risks and they're going to do better in terms of moving towards the ideal rather than the prevention tactic. And timing is important too, because timing, a timely and effective constructive feedback really is essential. You know, you, it's, it's difficult yeah. to say, well, three days ago you did this. Like what? <laughs> Well, the, work the well. best way to do it is is immediate. The most effective way is to immediately give the feedback. Um, right. And once you find the right way to do it and you catch them doing it the right way, you, you can reinforce it with touch or with words or um, – Actually, there, there are different, there's something called schedules of reinforcement in terms of trying to change someone's behavior. And I'm going to share with mm-hmm. you what that means. So um, if we were to take it in the simplest term um, with just an animal, every time they do the right behavior, you give them a cookie, right? Every time you give them a cookie. Well, okay. That, that's reinforcing every single time, and that'll quickly change the behavior, but then there's going to be a drop-off. So it'll peak like a mountain, and then it'll drop off, okay? 
So that's mm-hmm. fine for the beginning, but the best way to, to more permanently change a behavior is to give the reward not every single time, but what's called intermittent variable reinforcement. So randomly, sometimes they get the reward, not every single time, which can be surprising to learn that. Well, sure, because then they'll take the risk of doing it. Will I get the reward this time? Or, you know? Yes. They'll, well, it'll yeah. last. I mean, I would do that. I la- the behavior change will last more so because of something. What were you going to say? I was going to say, well, I, I like cookies, so that would work with me. No, that's quite Every right. time. All I was going to say is, <laughs> yeah, I, I like cookies, so I, I would do that. <laughs> I would, I would well, try. I would keep taking the risk. <laughs> The problem is that there's something called satiation, and you yeah. get sick of it and you don't appreciate it. Right, right. So just imagine it's kind of like, like when that pizza every single time, every single time you do yeah. the behavior, you're, you'd be like, meh, after a while. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You either it's kind of like if you get a job. Or... Go ahead. It's kind of like if you get a job in a bakery. At first, you want to try everything, and then you're just, like, sick to death of it. You just don't want to eat anything anymore. You just want to get it out of the shop. Yes. Yeah, it's something to think about in general, right, that satiation Mm -hmm. idea with the way that we um, reward those around us, so to speak. Or even ourselves. You know, because we do feedback ah. to ourselves a lot of times. The feedback that we feed ourselves from our core beliefs that, like you said at the beginning, you know, um, Thornton, when you said that, I think that was his name, when you said the Thornton. things that, yeah. that people, yeah, yes, thank you. Uh, when say things a lot that are not good versus saying things that are good, if you're hearing all the time as a child something derogatory or you know, not good about yourself. You believe that and you take it with you into adulthood. And, yeah. you know, those, that's the feedback you're giving you. You give you that feedback. And it takes effort for people to get mm. over that. It does. It does. It's actually, if you have some core beliefs about yourself, even if they're irrational, but they're very strong, if you think about it from a mm-hmm. brain perspective, to start to get yourself to think in a different way doesn't feel natural in the beginning. The natural way is um, a, a high way in your brain that's been developed that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, you know, whatever it is that, that people tell themselves that, that's unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And to start a new way um, feels like building a, a small little trail in the woods, and, it's, and it is unnatural, yeah, people but need it to can realize it doesn't feel, in, it doesn't feel intuitive. Our brains. Oh, we absolutely can. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and we know that the brain is plastic, and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing that we can mm-hmm. – the brain will – actually, the neurons will grow and get heavier. Not only will they make more connections, our brain gets heavier from new learning. So uh, London cabbies, it takes about two years for them to learn – how to navigate those London streets because it's like spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And they've studied their brains. <laughs> and after the two year of training, their brains are 10% bigger. Specifically, the hippocampus, which stores memory, is 10% bigger two years later, which is incredible, right? That is incredible, yeah, yeah. And that is through constant driving and doing the same thing over and over again and getting accustomed to where it is that you're going. But there's also times when you can change the neural pathways of your brain so quickly in a nanosecond because of something that's very strong, whether it's a trauma or something that shocked you to your core and you just, you're not going to do this anymore. And you can stop whatever it is and make that shift. And I've seen that happen in myself and things mm-hmm. that have come up and it's like, okay, that's not happening. And I knew the moment I said, I, I had an instance a few months ago, the moment I said, I am not going to do that. The moment I said it and threw what I had in my hand across the room, I knew I will not do this. I will not do this. And I didn't. 
and how wonderful it was great so you it had real great. you yeah. had conviction um you had yeah. a real clarity a real clarity yep that enabled you to stop whatever that is that you you knew it wasn't good for you and I have to say that, uh, yeah, and it was a doctor giving me a prescription medicine that I knew I wasn't going to take. I was like, this is not good. I read the book that was the side effects, and the side effects were trying mm-hmm. to, were, were exactly what it is he was trying to alleviate. And I'm like, that's not happening. I'm not doing this. I'm going to do it my way. And I did. And things turned around within like three days. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I could believe it because I knew it, because I did it. But I think that that mm-hmm. has to do a lot with how mindful we are, how aware we are as we traverse our journeys. And I think a lot of that Mm -hmm. is just the fact that when you take time out for yourself and you meditate and you really become present with who you are and what you're doing, you can make shifts happen a lot more. And people don't give enough credit to meditation and doing that. They just don't. Oh, I think people are starting to give credit. And that, that applies exactly to our topic. Um, Mm -hmm. I, um, there's a Victor uh, Victor Frankl quote that I love, T, and it goes like this. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So like you're saying, I believe that meditation is one way to increase that space, you know, to, to re- mm-hmm. before we respond or it's better to respond rather than react. And when it comes to giving feedback to others, we want to respond. We don't want to react, but um, we definitely have strong neural pathways about the way we've always given feedback, right? It could even be yelling. It could be what we've seen our parents do 10,000 times. And we just ended up doing, doing it the same way just by observing. So slowing down that entire process is you know, that can be achieved through meditation or through prayer or quiet time. And it so, can be chosen, too, because, I, you know, I remember, like you said, if people yell a lot, my yeah. mother yelled all the time. I mean, she was a screamer. She yelled. She had five kids, and she screamed at every single one of us. And I remember at night praying to God that I would not be like her. I would be like, please don't make me like this woman. Please don't. I don't want to yell. Yeah. And I can honestly say that my husband and I have never, ever, ever raised our voices to each other. Never. It's not what you do. That's not how you communicate. I just, I just won't put up with it. If somebody starts to yell at me, I will turn around and walk away because I just, I can't mm. stand the noise. It's not right. It's not, you're not listening. You're, you're angry. You're ranting. You're, you don't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you might say something that you don't want to say, you know, that could well, end I up hurting lost, someone. If you're yelling, well, yeah, if you're yelling, you've lost your power. You've lost your power, yep. but in addition, the other person can't hear you. So part of yep. giving feedback is that, you know, what are the conditions here and can they hear you? Can they even, will they hear you? Do you have enough of a relationship that they'll hear you? Or, or have you sought to understand their point of view? Or do they think you're always talking at them? And right. there's a dynamic between couples that's worth bringing up and, and thinking about here. And it's the pursuer distancer interaction. And um, you can imagine one of, one of the two is the distancer, right? So one is the pursuer. And this doesn't have to be a romantic thing, T, but the pursuer mm-hmm. is the one saying, uh, why don't you call me more? Why don't you text me more? Why don't you give me more attention? They're sort of asking for more attention mm-hmm. they're jumping down and then the other the, the partner is like a little overwhelmed by that so they pull back and then the pursuer notices the pullback and they jump up and down more and then the distancer backs up even more but in the end the pursuer ends up becoming critical that's the typical pattern is that they criticize but ultimately they just want to reach them but they're not. The distancer is afraid of the pursuer. They're afraid to move towards them. So if I have that situation right in front of me in my practice, I ask both of them to go against their nature for a period of time. So the distancer needs to uh, answer a question 
move towards the pursuer, even though it feels scary. And the pursuer needs to actually back off, back off and say less and allow the mm-hmm. space, the distancer to move towards them. So that's something that the couple, if it's a couple situation or family members, they, they might need to, sh- to shift that before they can even hear each other. And I think, too, it doesn't, it's funny how it can work out because I remember taking an employee to lunch to talk about her review and she sat there and she started to raise her voice and so I just sat there and she got louder and louder and she was upset and then she started to cry and I just let her. And the waiter, waiter came over and he says, is everything okay here? And I said, yeah, she's just having a moment. She'll be okay. <laughs> and she just looked at me and got uh, really mad. And then finally when she finished crying, I said to her, do you want to go back to the office and talk? I mean, you know, that's fine. We can do that. She said, you don't care at all. I said, that's, that's absolutely not true. Let's go. And we went back to the mm-hmm. office and I let her rant and rave and do whatever. She went on for a very long time. And then when she was done and sat there for, I probably let it linger for about three minutes. And I said to her, are you done? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, do you think you can hear me now? And then we were able to have ah. a conversation. She needed to get it out of her system. I don't know. I didn't know what was going on in her life, but I knew it really didn't have anything to do with me or her job. She had this baggage ah. going on, and she just needed to vent. It was sad. It really was sad. Uh, but, you know, it's, you do have to distance yourself and not be afraid to do that, to know that it's going to be okay. And let that person do that yeah. and not take anything personally. Do you agree with that? You can't take it personally because people, when I've seen people in anger say things, they totally don't mean. They just don't. Uh, well, yeah, I think we've all experienced that and seen that. Yeah. People yeah, uh, you know, saying things like, they don't mean in anger. But it sounds like with your employee, you sat there patiently and with compassion and you didn't run away. And you didn't fight and yell back. No. Start, you know, an yeah. unhealthy cycle of communication. So that was great. You sat there. You know, when I, I felt bad for her. Mhm. Yeah. So you really did distance yourself enough in a healthy way so that you didn't get emotionally involved. You just felt for her, for her pain. Right. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. think you should get emotionally involved. You can't. You know, you really, it's not that you can't, you ought not to. You ought not to get emotionally involved because then you can't come across with anything productive either, you know, and you're taking on their energy and what they're feeling. And that's, that doesn't serve me well. It might work for other people, but it doesn't serve me well. So I find I I function better if I'm not taking on other people's stuff. And I think there are people like that out there. Is that um, something that you find as well that people just don't, you know, they don't really acknowledge, they acknowledge, but they don't really take it on. Um, okay. I'm trying to understand what you just asked. People that acknowledge. I'm, yeah, they acknowledge what the other person's doing, but they don't take it on. Because I've seen people see somebody getting mm-hmm. upset and angry, and, and then they start to say, it's going to be oh. okay, it's going to be okay. And they start to get involved in with the person. And I just let them, oh, you know, absolutely. okay, let it, let it rip. Okay, yeah, absolutely. What a so, yeah. Think about it in terms of, okay, let's go back to a couple. So when you have a couple, couples usually fight in the same exact way to over and over and over again. It's called the negative cycle. So person A starts like this and then person B does that. And it makes them feel like this or it makes person A feel like that. So then they respond in the same way they always do. And it goes the same way, and then the topics change. And often, if I have a couple come into my private practice, I'll ask them to pick a topic that they frequently fight about, and I'll ask them to fight right in front of me. (laughs) I don't tell them to fight. I'll just talk about it. (laughs) uh, Let's have a fight. They try to... They try to think of, like, it's pretty easy for them to think of a, a frequent topic, you know. They, And then I say, just do your normal thing. And, of course, everyone is going to tone it down a little bit. I always assume it's a little worse outside of the office. <laughs> but I get to see the <laughs> negative cycle. And then um, 
we break it down and realize how it is that they tend to repeat it over and over again. And then their next step is to find a way to break it. And it takes courage to break it. And one example of breaking it is what's called a repair attempt. And I'll tell you what that is. It's when they're in the middle of fighting in the negative cycle, the way they always have. And one of them might say a funny, like they might say something funny, or they might suddenly tap the other person on the shoulder or like touch them. Or one of them will say, oh, come on, let's, let's cut this out. Right. So the person Mm -hmm. that breaks out of it, it takes a lot of courage to break out of it. And the other one, if they will accept the repair attempt, that takes courage too, because you want to finish your point, you know, and to accept it means to let, to drop it. And that can hurt. That can almost physically hurt your throat to not finish, <laughs> to not finish. Yeah, what yes. you, right? <laughs> so in, in happy couples, in happy couples, um, repair attempts are made and accepted because every couple fights. It's a matter of how they fight. But in unhappy couples, either the, the repair attempt is never made or um, a repair attempt is made and then rejected by the other one, which that, that's tough, right? Yes. Actually try. But, um, I wonder, though. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm just wondering. I, I, I couldn't do what you do for a living because I would be like, what are you two fighting about and why? That would be my first question. Then say, what is there to fight about? Because my husband and I had a fight when we first got married. It was so stupid. I bought flowered yeah. sheets for our water bed. He did not want flowers on the bed. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's all they had. Yeah. This is a water bed. What else can you do? And he was very upset. It was so stupid. And he, <laughs> he started to get angry. And I said, I'm not going to fight. This is, this is going to be a rule, mm-hmm. okay? I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight with you ever. We can talk, but I'm not going to fight. <laughs> And he was like, mm-hmm. what? And I, that's the rule. We have to have rules. They have to be ground rules. The other ground rule was no fighting in the bedroom. The bedroom is for sleeping and having sex. And mm-hmm. that's it. So you make love and, and you sleep. If you walk over the threshold, it doesn't matter. You remember what vow you took mm-hmm. and you remember why you're there. And that person has to, that person's your person and you're their person. And that's the way it is. And if you want to fight with me tomorrow morning outside the bedroom, you can, but I'm going to walk away. So this didn't go over well because it wasn't fully understood <laughs> until the next morning. So, when it was like a PowerPoint presentation and I did proceeded to explain it again. And he got it after a night's sleep. And I know that's <laughs> odd. I mean, people tell me this is really, they're telling T, you're just, you're just so different in so many ways. I hear this all the time. You know, she's, he's a little off. She's odd. I don't really care what people think. I just know life is wicked short, and I do not want to waste time fighting short. with anybody. Not worth it. It's not worth <laughs> it. There's nothing worth Amen. fighting about. Nothing. Yeah. I agree. But, you know? but it so takes I couldn't do what you do because that's what I tell people. Of, say, no, um, don't fix that. <laughs> what's that? I said, I couldn't do what you do because I would tell people that and say, now go home and practice that and you'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think everyone wants to be that way. And um, I think that, you know, we have a lot of irrational stuff going on in our brains that will prevent us from staying calm. A lot of what leads people to fight, it's very basic emotions. And one of those is fear. So yeah. the more mature you are, the, the more grounded you are, the more you can have a, a rational conversation. Well, that's the thing. A constructive discussion it gets you so much right. further than screaming. And, you know, I, I, I know this couple. All they did, they owned a store together, and all they did was scream at each other every time you were in the store. And all of the Yelp reviews were all they do is fight. These two people fight. You never could have seen two people love each other more. And I just would laugh at it. And, and I knew them. They were my friends. And, and she said, why don't you fight? And I said, because it's not worth it. I can't take it. I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the noise is disturbing my ears. I just can't take it. <laughs> it was so loud. But they fought all the time, all the time. Publicly, they just didn't care. And that was 
was just like, I, I looked at that and it reminded me of my mother screaming all the time. And I thought, oh, I can't take this. It's oh. just too much. I, I think they switched babies at the hospital. I wasn't in the right place. You know, I needed quiet. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. We need quiet. You know? Oh, I'm a Capricorn also, T. <laughs> well, there you go. Both are. <laughs> We're very analytical and, and we like need quiet. I, actually, yeah. I, love, love, I love people and activity and I need my quiet time also. Which is something yep. I once had to negotiate. Actually, I, once I had to give feedback to a lover about, oh about my how I needed more quiet time. <laughs> yeah. That's non-negotiable, though. That's like, look, I just need my quiet time. You know, I just need. Yeah. I, I would say to my husband every once in a while, I'd say, today is a day where it's not about you and I'm not mad at you, but I'm like having a day, so I'm just going to be quiet. And if you need anything, just ask nicely, okay? And he's like, okay. He always got forewarned because I didn't want to jump on him. I didn't want to, you know, yell at him for something. And I didn't yell. I just didn't want to say something like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. In a way that he knew was aggravating. So I would tell him ahead of time that, you know, today is a day that's not good for me right now. (laughs) And I figure if people know that up front, they're forewarned, you know? I I do that with people now. It's like, this is not a good moment. (laughs) It works. I think it's actually you know, to announce to announce things and uh, to announce things in advance, and that includes with our children. So I I don't like the 1950s mother idea where you hide everything from the children, like meaning you hide any emotion and you're feeling terrible. Mm-hmm. And the child looks at you, and they intuitively can look at your face and your body, and they kind of know that mom doesn't feel good or mom's sad. And then they say, Mommy, are you okay? And with your red lipstick, you'd be like, Everything's fine, right? <laughs> what that child? That teaches the child, like, Oh, my intuition was wrong. It was off. Everything's fine. Right. And then they start to not trust themselves. And, and all of the wisdom that their brain has, right, about uh, everything that they're absorbing. So I don't think we should air our dirty laundry to our children, but I do, I do like to acknowledge to my kids, like if they pick up that I'm sad, I'll acknowledge. I'll be like, you know, you're right. You notice that, that mommy's sad right now, and you're right about that. There is something that's bothering me, but I... I don't want to talk about it, but I just want you to know that you were right about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can do it with adults, too, because when people will see that I'm having an off day, if I go to a meeting or something, they'll say, you were very quiet today, T. You know, what, uh, is everything yeah. okay? And they'll say, yeah, everything's okay. I'm just having, like, an off day. You know, I'm just not really into this right now. And it gives yeah. them the out that, okay, they acknowledged and they knew, and, and they say, oh, anything I can do to help? And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. It's okay. Thank you for asking. And mm-hmm. I actually feel better. Oh, so much better, so much better to be authentic and so freeing. Oh, my goodness. It's making me think about a patient I had who was exhausted because she felt that she needed to always be this happy, um, charismatic person to the world. So she would go to parties and she would come back exhausted because she'd be like, ah, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> telling funny stories and <laughs> everything's great. And I I said to her, look, try something new. Try going to a party and it's okay to stay quiet. You don't have to tell the story and you don't have to entertain and you can listen and you can stay quiet and you don't even have to smile. She's like, well, everyone's going to think something's wrong, but you have to start somewhere, right? With being authentic and conserving Mm -hmm. energy through through being authentic and she went for it and she did it. It was was the beginning, but I think the beginning was a a hard transition for her. Oh, sure. Cause she was used to doing this and pleasing everyone, you know, to, to make herself, um, make herself feel good actually. And nothing wrong with that, but she, I think she was trying to please people and just make people, you know, feel good about themselves so she could feel good too and be in the party spirit. What it, what it means to be at a party, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. She she was playing a role that she thought she was supposed to play, and it was an mm-hmm. awful lot of work. Instead of just relaxing it into it, and um, 
you know, being quiet when she wanted to be quiet. It's easy to be us. It's hard to be someone else. So, you know, like people will say, well, that's what they're like when they're in a meeting, but they're, when they're at home, they're like this. And I'm like, how can you be different? That's too much to keep up with. There's a lot of effort involved in that, and I don't want to do it. (laughs) I just want to be me, thank you. (laughs) What you see is what you get, and if you don't like it, oh, well, that's okay. (laughs) You know, not everybody can like everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it it takes a certain amount of maturity to not care in that sense. Um. I, I think, think I it think might that be comes with also, age for a lot of people. Go ahead. I think it it comes with experience too. I think that if you experience things and you say that's not what I want, you take mm-hmm. that with you when you figure out if that's not what I want, how do I need to be so that I don't get that? And the way that you need to be is to be who you are and you can't care what anybody else thinks. And once you and I think I learned that really, really, really early. I mean, I think I kind of came in knowing mm-hmm. that that you just have to be who you are and not care what anybody thinks. And I, you know, I mean, Alexander and I know each other. We live in the same community, so we attend a lot of functions that are very similar. And if there's an opportunity to wear a gown, I'm going to put one on. That's what I do. And people <laughs> are just like, okay, well, yeah. why is tea in a gown? Because I have an opportunity to wear one, and I like to. I like being a girl, and I want to wear a gown. You know, I don't care if anybody thinks this is not gown appropriate. It is for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you have seen me. You have seen me. You know I do that. <laughs> I have seen you in your full-length gowns, and you look fabulous. Yes. And that's well, I'm not, really no, I'm I just tell you was through <laughs> all of these. Um, yeah. All of these benefit events, events that we go. in our wonderful community. <laughs> Sorry? But that's, no, that's the thing. You just can't care. You just have to say, well, it makes me feel good. <laughs> you know, it's not harming anyone. Who is it hurting? You know, it's, if it's not hurting anyone right. and it makes you feel good and, and you know, and, you just, and people will talk to yeah. you because they, they might want to make fun of you, but they'll talk to you. That's okay, too. <laughs> you get to know it's people true. that way. It works. It is true. Um, children. I want to talk about children a little bit because I had an incident occur, yeah. and I thought this was this was so this was like one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. I was this was I think a year and a half ago, and I was in a, a classroom, mm-hmm. and there were a bunch of little a bunch of little kids. They were like five, I think, and one table had one little boy at the table, and then all these little girls. And you just knew this little boy was so cute that in about 11 years, he's going to be breaking every heart in the high school. You know, he was just adorable, and he was going to be a handsome yeah. kid. You just knew it. And, and I felt bad for the girls because, like, who's going to win? I don't know. <laughs> you know? But all of a sudden, they were, all they were doing was coloring, and, and, and do, they were doing something. I can't even remember what it was. And this little boy comes yeah. running up to me, and he goes, Mrs. Love, Mrs. Love, I did it wrong. And I looked at him, and I didn't even look at what he had in his hand. I said, no, you didn't. You didn't do anything wrong. And he goes, I didn't. And I said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. You found a way that didn't work. So good for you. Now you get to go back and find a way that might. So keep trying. And his smile Mm. on his face got so big. He went back to the table, and he sat there. And I thought nothing of it. I absolutely thought nothing of it. I was like, okay, good. He's a piece. That's how, you know. And I knew I wasn't making him feel bad. So... All of a sudden, yeah. 15 minutes later, I hear this little girl hold up her paper, and she goes, I did something wrong. And he says, no, you didn't. Oh. You just found a way that didn't work. So keep trying, and you'll find a way that does. I looked at this kid, and I thought, oh, my God, I love this child. That was so <laughs> he listened. He learned he, it right away. He retained it. Yeah, he, he heard it. He retained it, and then he regurgitated it, and she got it. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was so cool. I couldn't believe it. So even little kids, when they get feedback, if it's good and they feel good, I firmly believe that they will then pass it along. Do you see that in your work, that when they get something that's really good, they'll share it? Whereas I think if they get something that's not good, they're going to hold that in. And that just creates stress and and manifests all kinds of We definitely copy copy what we learn we copy what we see and he copied immediately what he learned from you and um and the way that the type of feedback you gave him was excellent because if if we're given messages that have to do with ego and they're too black and white like either it's right or it's wrong or you're smart or you're not smart if it involves too much ego it doesn't work it goes against us in fact it makes us worse so you were praising yeah. his effort 
and his practice and perseverance. That's what we, when it comes to our children in general, we should, we should definitely praise effort and perseverance. And we, re- we shouldn't even compliment them when it has to do with ego, like you're so beautiful is, is a bad compliment or you're an amazing athlete, right. bad compliment. Yeah, the work that you did is great, or the way that you styled your hair is different. But, I, I, yeah, I think that there's a lot of ego-based the stuff out there work. that, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually leads to lying. I, they studied it. If you praise kids with too much ego, and um, tell them that they're, if it's so general, like you're an amazing athlete then it leads them to feel like if they screw up or if they can't learn something new right away, which of course they can't if they're going to improve, but if they can't knew it right, mm-hmm. if they can't learn it right away, they start to feel like, well, then I must not be a great athlete. They go straight to the black of the black and white instead of, um, and then it encourages them to lie. They, they're more likely to lie or to cover up when they mess up or cover up grades, if you compliment them on being like so intelligent rather than complimenting the effort or how they're really practicing their, you know, their math problems and they're doing their homework every night. And I noticed you're spending an extra half an hour every night. That's more the way to do it because you're, you're rewarding the effort. Yes, and and they, you know, they're at such an age where everything is so impressionable. They're going to pick up everything like little vacuum cleaners and just hold on to it. You know, they keep it in, and and I that's why I think some adults they they form our core beliefs are formed when we're young, correct? And then we take it with us unless we can come up with a good reason why that's no why that no longer should be a core belief because it was something we learned that wasn't accurate and we finally got it that that wasn't accurate. Why did I believe that for so long? Well, let's remember that the brain is plastic, so we can continue to learn for our entire life. We can, right. we can keep on learning even in old age, which is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. It's not set and it's not fixed. And the first guy right. who figured that out was totally rejected in the 1960s when he proposed that there's neurogenesis. And then the next guy in the 1970s was rejected so many times then he became a rehab doctor. He he changed his career. <laughs> but wow. now we know wow. now we know that the brain really does grow and change and we can continue to learn. It's a wonderful thing. And there's something I should mention it for is. your listeners and it's something called uh it's it's called shaping and it's when you want to teach someone a new skill you don't have to just reward them at the end of when they finally learn the skill. You can reward them for like successive approximations. So mm-hmm. if I want my kids to do homework, I'll say sit at the table and empty your backpacks. And that's just step one. That's actually what's called a prompt. It's okay to prompt okay. to move towards the behavior you want. You don't have to expect them to know the whole thing all at once, but like anything with procrastination, the hardest the hardest part <laughs> is to begin, right? Just begin with a capital yes. C. And if I can just yes. prompt them to sit at the table and pull out the stuff from their backpacks, they have begun. <laughs> That's enough. That's all they need at that prompt at this age. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it works at any age because this summer we have had excessive amounts of rain here in New Jersey. And it, it, this is yeah. the summer that wasn't. A lot of things could not get done. And there were days where I would wake up and I would think, I'm not getting out of bed. <laughs> and I'd be like, you have to get out of bed. You have to get your butt out of bed and go do your workout. Get your butt out of bed and go do your workout. And I might talk to myself for five minutes prompting myself to do this until I get my butt out of my bed and I go and I do my workout. And I feel much better. And I know that. But I even prompt myself. So we can do this for ourselves. Yeah. It doesn't have to be prompting of people as yeah. well. It's, it's the talk that we give ourselves as well. And it's what... Absolutely. what our inner talk is and, and being aware of what it is so that we're saying things to ourselves that are beneficial. It's our own feedback too. Yeah. So the prompt that you might give yourself if you want to go running every morning and you haven't started the new habit is that the night before 
you get your running shoes, your running bra, the whole outfit is ready in a nice little pile. So when you wake up, that's not a barrier. That's right there, and that prompts you. That's another prompt besides that, the self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. And and while I understand that, I don't. And you should see my workout clothes. I'm in my basement. I've got a basement with, you know, you know nobody would want to see me. <laughs> <laughs> So I just talk to myself and say, you have got to get up and do this, T. You have got to do this or you're not going to feel good for the rest of the day. And so then I finally do, <laughs> you know, on those occasions when I can take the five minutes to do it. Otherwise, I just, you know, jump out and do it. <laughs> but we are right but, now, we're getting toward the top of the hour. And I want to be able to, to tell everybody, we're speaking with Dr. Alexandra Miller, expert in family system psychology, cognitive behavioral psychology, and clinical psychopharmacology. And I want you to write these websites down, www.psychologyamerica.com or www.livewellpsychologycenter.com. And check them out after the show because there's a lot of information there that I'm sure you'll find quite beneficial. And Dr. Alexandra, before we go, do you have any final insights? I think if you want to change the way that you're giving feedback to the, the people around you, first it's to look inwards as far as slowing everything down within yourself to, to change the way you've done it before. And second, it would be to really think about how you want that person to do it the right way and build that castle and have it really clear before you actually open your mouth to speak to them. <laughs> That would be my suggestion for feedback. And can I add one thing to that? When you're doing that, think about how you would feel if you were the recipient of what you are going to say and how you would want to feel and deliver it the way that you would want to feel. Uh, Because I think people know. I think people know when, when you are giving feedback, they get, oh, my God, they're ranting, they're coming from ego, versus, wow, they really care. They're coming from their heart. They're coming from the space of love. Because for me, in this life that I live, I, mm-hmm. I have different beliefs than other people. I believe there's two roads. There's the road of fear and there's the road of love. The road of love is everything good and positive. The road of fear is everything negative, angry, jealous, controlling, all that stuff. So if you're driving down one of the roads, and all of a sudden you have to make a decision and you're, something occurs, there's a situation that comes up and you're starting to feel resentment, jealousy, anger, control, uh, you mm. want power or whatever it is, pain, you have to stop and take a breath in that moment and say, you know what, I need to get in the commuter lane because the lane of love is the commuter lane. That lane is just you're in alignment, you're flowing, and everything's going great. So shift your perspective immediately and think, how would it feel to look at this situation from the Mm. point of love? You get a better perspective of the other person and how they feel, and you get a good perspective of how you can give more compassion and you feel empathy for them in their situation. So I would just say, Look at how you're going to feel if you're going to receive whatever you're going to say. How's it going to make you feel, and how can you change it so that you feel positive? That's all. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's wonderful. And St. Francis, the St. Francis prayer talks about seeking to understand first rather than be understood. Um, it's nice mm-hmm. to, to seek to understand them first. And I love what you say about trying to move in love rather than fear. Marianne Williamson wrote a yeah. lot about that. I really appreciate her so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. so simple, it, T. It is. And when you're in that space, when you're coming from your heart, and if you try to come from your heart and when you're speaking with a person, you're with that person 100%. Because when that person leaves and the next person moves in, you have to be 100% with that person. And then when that person leaves and the next thing happens, you have to be 100% with that person. Because you wouldn't want to be less for them than you would want anyone to be with you. And that that's my decision. two cents. <laughs> it's a decision to be graceful. You're yeah. going to be gracious. You're going to be gracious no mm-hmm. matter what's coming your way. Because once you talk to someone, you don't know what's coming back. And then how are you going to stay gracious? That's your decision. Right. If your decision is to love, you're going to love no matter what monster is coming back your way. And that's not so easy. That's right. One of the hardest things no. to do. It is, but if you're present and you're, and you're aware of what's happening, you can take a breath. There have been plenty of times I've had to take a breath, 
and say, okay, I don't have to respond right now in this moment. I can take a breath and see what I want to say. So I use my filter because Lord knows in this moment, I would not be using my filter, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> there are times that you just have to do that. So yeah. it's a lot better to take the breath, you know, you save a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. But we the are right, the right breath. Yeah. Sorry, that's sweetie. right. Go that's ahead. right. A nice deep <laughs> diaphragmatic breath that's going to serve you well. That's absolutely right because it does shift you. We are almost out of time. Dr. Alexander, I just want to thank you so much for being here. Your book. We want to get information you. about your book. There's Always Hope, which is a story about overcoming. You can get that at any bookstore. Yeah. They can order it for you or you can get it on Amazon, Goodreads, wherever. Check that out because it's a children's book that's really, really quite moving. So check that out. Is there any other information that you want to say, Dr. Alexander, before we sign off? I am wishing you well, and I'm thanking you for having me, T. It was a delight. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, Quantum Wellness. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. You can learn more about our fundraising campaigns and see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need at sojihuggles.org. We are investing in brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking the time to visit our website, www.sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on both Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place to sleep. So that's all I wake up in instead of counting When I remember how I'm blessed, grateful, I feel a hand holding 
Don't hang up. Oh, she hung up. Caller dropped. 908-399-2773. 908-399-2773.